0: especially brother Jimmy's testimony just God was holding on to him hey man so wonderful I remember years ago sister high was in that bad car wreck and once again you know the Lord protecting brother Jimmy and the family it's awesome he's an awesome God ain't he I want to welcome brother Job with us all the way from the United Kingdom he's part of the youth choir that one of the musicians he'll be here for the next week so welcome brother glad to have you here keep that same key of F. Come and go
1: with me. Oh, come and go with me to my Father's house, to my Father's house, to my Father's house. Oh, come and go with me to my Father's house where there's peace. there in my father's house, in my father's house, in my father's house, there'll be no sorrow there in my father's house, there'll be joy, real joy, come and go, oh come and go with me to my father's house my father's house to my father's house come and go with me to my father's house oh peace, peace. oh there'll be no dying there in my father's house in my father's house in my father's house oh there'll be
0: This time, key of G. I'm in this church.
1: I'm in this church, this glorious church. I did not join, though I was born. I've had it worse. Some glorious day, gonna sail away. It's by His grace, not by my works. I'm in this church. I'm in this church. Sure, I did not join. Her. i Glorious Wait. by grace, not by my
0: works. Sure. amen, so happy to be part of this church here, amen, appreciate brother Isaac filling in tonight, amen, just so much talent here, it's just wonderful, amen, who... Brother Siggy said when they started coming, he's like, I remember years ago, he's like, talent's a lot better now. And that's not no shade on nobody else, but we're just really blessed now. I'm so thankful, so, so thankful. And this afternoon, some of these choruses we're singing tonight, Brother Isaac had never played them, and now he's playing them, just he played it to him a couple times, and he got it. I wish I could do it, but I can't. So I'm glad we got people that can. Amen. Amen. Same key.
1: I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed every day that I live. I am blessed when I wake up in the morning till I lay my head to rest. I
0: Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. He's so good to us. We'll sing this little chorus and then Sister Frankie has a song for us this evening. Same key. Heavenly Father, I appreciate you.
1: Oh, Heavenly Father, I appreciate you. Father
2: so we can show sure.
0: things get and sometimes things seem to get bad i can always find something to thank him for amen Amen. god is so good to us Uh, a couple of announcements before we go to prayer Um, sister christine's daughter lost her cell phone if you've seen a cell phone you said it's brown brown cell phone Um, last sunday uh, she believes she lost it here so if you've seen that uh, or anything about it please let Uh, sister Christine no, I haven't had anybody tell me they found it but if you find it please let her know also we now have the the televisions hooked up out there in the fellowship hall Um, those are there to stay so we will be getting the cables all routed and hidden um, but the speakers won't be there that's just for Sunday the Sunday service Um, but if you could keep the kids off the TVs we've already had some kids try to play with them and they're not to be played with I don't want to get on somebody's kids, but I will, and I know all the other brothers here will too so if you could please keep the kids off of them unless they want to pay for them okay we'd appreciate it that's the way I talk to my kids you you break it you buy it so that's basically what pastor said this morning right <laughs> so I mean you got to teach them amen uh as remember brother Mike and sister Angie's special unspoken prayer requests I missed that this morning because I'd I'm so forgetful without my iPad, so forgive me for that, but let's hold that up. And Sister Brenda, Sister Sean and the family, we don't want to forget them. We definitely don't want to forget them, so let's continue to hold them up. Um, if you feel led to shoot them a message, I know they would appreciate it. They might not respond, but, but that's fine with all they're dealing with, so just hold them up in prayer. And Sister Marilyn and the, those at the nursing home with that COVID outbreak, just believe that God will put His hedge of protection around the whole facility there and keep it from getting any worse and be a quick recovery for everybody there. We know God's more than able to do that. Brother Joel, if you don't mind, come take us to the Lord in prayer this evening. Anybody have an unspoken prayer request? Amen. God's more than able, isn't he?
3: Let's all bow. Lord Jesus, it's a privilege and honor once again to come before you, God. Lord, thinking about the testimony this morning, my brother Jimmy, Lord, how many times that you've come on the scene, Lord, when we've been in a predicament, didn't know how we was going to get out of it, God. But you're always faithful. We may lose friends, we may lose family, God, but we don't lose you, God. You're always there. And God, we thank you for the many times you are, Lord. The many times goes unnoticed, Lord. We've got so much to thank you for as the song goes, God. Lord, we can thank you all day long, God, for everything that you've done, Lord. Lord, we thank about Sister Brenda and her family, Lord. I've never been in that situation, God, but I know the times I've lost family, Lord, you have been my comforter. Yes, yes. I can say a lot of things, and people can do a lot of things, God, but you are the true comforter, Lord. You come in the time of need, and Lord, we're just asking you to go to them again, Lord, throughout this day, the days to come. Lord, a lot of times i have forgotten. After a time, people forget that, these things happen Lord but they still need our prayers Lord and they still need you walking with them Lord and leading and guiding them Lord and we just pray you continue to do it Sister Joan Lord where she's at Lord we just pray that your mighty hand of protection stays upon her God every way she goes Lord I'm just praying Lord that you're right there with her Lord and anyone else in that Place, Lord, it needs a touch. We just pray you give it to him, Lord. All the other requests is brought before you, Sister Marilyn, Lord, we don't want to fail to lift her up before you, Lord. Try to every day, God. And the other request is brought before you, God, we thank you for this song service this morning, Lord. We thank you for the service this morning. Lord, we're just looking for more this evening, God, because we know we're getting closer to closer to that exit, God, and we're going to leave this place. And one day we'll hear a message that would be the last one, Lord. We just pray you speak through Brother Daniel. Give us exactly what we need for the rest of this journey. ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: We're going to try a new little chorus tonight. I hope that's okay with you. He's able. Key of F oh
1: god is able to do just what he said he would do he's gonna fulfill every promise to you don't give up on god cause he won't Amém
0: Can't quite do it justice, but I love that little song. Amen. Let's sing How Great Is Our God. Same key as we invite our pastor out this evening. Pray the Lord will strengthen him, give him what he needs for the service this evening. Oh,
1: how great is our God. Oh, sing with me. How great is our God. And all oh, we'll see, how great. How great is our God, oh how great is our God, oh sing me
4: Sing with me how great is our God Oh, see how great, how great is our God Sing it again now How great Sing with me how great is our God Oh, see how great, how great is our God. He's the name above all names. He's worthy of all praise. My heart will sing how great our God how great oh yes you are Lord how great oh see how great how great is our God one more time tell him now how great, how great Oh, sing with me How great is our God And all will see How great, how great is our God
5: Praise the Lord, he's worthy tonight Hallelujah, one day we'll get a new language that can properly describe him, because I'm I'm like Brother King, I wish I could describe him, he's beyond great, he's beyond awesome, he's beyond wonderful, any accolade you could give him, he's way beyond that, for all the things that he's brought me through, he's more than wonderful, he's more than awesome, he's more than great. But the limited language that we do have, we need to give him all the accolades that we can. Because he certainly, certainly is worthy tonight. You look back on your life sometimes, you have a little time, a little extra time, and the things that God has brought you through, and you don't even know how. You don't even know how you made it through. You don't have an answer for it. You don't know how you're standing here today. But I'm going to tell you how you're standing here today. It's by the grace of and mercy of Almighty God. Otherwise, there's no telling where we'd be tonight. Had it not, David said, "Had it not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be?" Praise the Lord! It's good to be back in church tonight. Uh, I'm getting to where I'm enjoying Sunday night more and more. You know, we was we was, all, you know, it didn't have Sunday night for so long for COVID, and a lot of, a lot of churches hadn't, still hasn't, putting back their second service. they Are still on one service on the weekend and I'm I'm still wondering how they're surviving because since I I made y'all a promise when I took away the Sunday service it's coming back and I'm a man of my word when I when I'm able I'm a man of my word and uh, we brought it back and obviously as many people are not here tonight and that's their fault they're the ones gonna go hungry the rest of the week because I come back for a double portion Praise the Lord, because I need to hear more about Him and grow closer. You know, you have an opportunity, Brother Ramsey, when you come to church, you leave better or worse, closer to God or farther away from God. And if I have an opportunity to go somewhere and get closer to God, get in the car, we're going, because I have an opportunity to get closer to God. And when I leave here, I plan to be closer than I was when I got here. Praise the Lord, and I can already tell the of the people here tonight that you come expecting, and you're like, go ahead and read your text, we're ready, let's go. (laughs) Stop filibustering, go, let's go. (laughs) Psalm 78, praise the Lord. You know, hearing the musicians and the the ones going from from, uh, instrument to instrument, and You know, the backups that we have, and if you would have been there when it all got started nearly 23 years ago, no, over 23 years ago, when it all got started, March the 12th in 2000, it was me and a guitar. I was the song leader. I was the trustee. I was the deacon. I was the pastor. (laughs) I was everything. I did, I, you know, my poor old dad, he, he was sitting there in the audience. I said, Pop, wouldn't you mind taking up the offering because I can't leave the pulpit. Uh, so he took up the offering, and, but I was I was everything at that time. And, and the music was pretty pitiful because I was up there with an the acoustic guitar, guitar. Didn't know any different. Just up there singing my brains out and worshiping the Lord. And you see what God has blessed us with. Amen. My, we are blessed people. We are so blessed. Psalm 78, verse 10. But you know, if, 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 it, if it, Brother Bram said sometimes we'd be better off on the street corner with a tambourine. Mm-hmm. You know, he did say that, so. I doubt many people would get on a street corner with a tambourine, but I thank God for good music. It certainly makes for a good atmosphere for the word to go forth. Amen. Amen. Psalm 78, verse 10. It actually, we could go back to verse 9, and it tells what verse 10 is about. Verse 9 says, the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. And I preached on that in times past, uh, the children of Ephraim. Verse 10, they kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. They forgot his works. God, help me not to forget your works. They forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous, excuse me, marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zone. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. He made the waters to stand as a heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with the light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink. As out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock. And caused waters to run down. Like rivers. Now I don't know how many people here has been in a desert. But I have. Uh, I've hunted in the desert. And when you see the desert and how dry and barren it is. And dusty and. Sometimes no water for miles and miles and miles. Mm. And then you read a scripture like this where God uh, places out in rocks, dry, dusty rocks. Mm. And water flowed like streams, like rivers in the desert. And if you've seen the desert, then you think of this and have an image in your mind of a stream flowing through the middle of the river, of the middle of the desert. Mm from a dry rock kind of puts a new perspective on what god can do he clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths he brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers and they sinned yet more against him by provoking the most high in the wilderness they tempted god in their heart by asking meat for their lust Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob. And anger also came up against Israel. Because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven, man did eat angels food. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of their camp round about their habitations. So they did eat and were well filled for he gave them their own desire. They were not estranged from their lust. But while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel. For all this they sinned still and believe not for his wondrous works. May God have his blessings to the reading of his word. You can be seated this evening. That's a obviously a very bittersweet scripture to say the least. And I don't want to. I don't. I don't. Don't want to talk about what God did to these people because of their sin. I'm not going to uh, tarry on that uh, because God got angry because of their unbelief uh, of all the things that they had seen Him do. Yet they were still not satisfied with what God had done. So they asked the question: Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? If God can roll back the Red Sea, if God can cause ten plagues in Egypt, if God can create things that were not there that all of a sudden appeared there. Brother Brenham said there wasn't a fly in the country. Moses spoke flies, and there was five pounds per square yard. Now, a fly don't weigh much. I ain't never weighed one, but I don't think he's on a diet. A flies just don't weigh too much. And you, it takes a lot of flies to make five pounds per square yard. Three foot by three foot by three foot, and you got five pounds of flies where there was no, was no flies spoken into existence. They seen these things, they witnessed these things. Let me tell you church, we have witnessed the power of God in our lives. We have witnessed Jehovah Jireh. We have witnessed the provision of God in our life. When we didn't know how we was going to pay the bills, when we didn't know how this was going to happen or how this was, we have witnessed in our lives. Jehovah Jireh. So we are without excuse. So whatever you're facing tonight, he's still Jehovah-Jireh. So whatever he's done in the past, understand, Brother Branham uh, uh, makes a mighty statement. And remember this come out in 1950 when Dr. Doctor Best uh, made a challenge to Brother Branham. Brother Branham wouldn't take it. He said, I'm not arguing or debating over the words. So Brother Bosworth went. And this is where this come out, uh, where he asked... Because Brother, uh, because Dr. Best did not believe in divine he- healing in the new covenant. And so, uh, uh, Brother Bosworth, Br- Brother Brennan had a lot of good things to say about that old oak tree, Brother Bosworth. And he said, he asked Dr. Best, he said, is Jehovah of the old, Jesus of the new? So, whatever Jehovah did in the Old Testament, Jesus could do in the new. So, whatever God has done in the Old Testament, Jesus can do under the new covenant and we are under the new testament we are under the new covenant and all seven compound redemptive names are in Jesus so it didn't stop the power of Jehovah Jireh when it went in Jesus he was still the provider we have hundreds of miracles that Jesus did hundreds of times that he provided for people when when they was in need I won't we'll get to that till in a few minutes, but when you look at this in Psalm 78 where when the uh, children of Israel was in the wilderness after all that God had done. I mean, just the fact to, to see the Red Sea wall up on either side. When he, when, when he rebuked Moses and said, don't cry to me. Speak the word and go forward. And Moses lifted up his rod and said, see the, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And all of a sudden, with a mighty wind from the nostril of God, a wind blew, and it blew one side into the other side, and they walked on dry ground. Now, where I'm building my house, it's been raining this week. Some of you got some of it. We got some of it. And there's water standing, and it's going to take several days for that water to dry up if we don't have more rain, and for that ground to become dry and dusty. But when God moved the Red Sea, it was immediately dry and dusty. They didn't walk through mud puddles. Are you with me tonight? This is what God did, and this is what God can still do. Brother Daniel, I'm up against the Red Sea. Well, he can still blow with his nostrils. He still is Jehovah Jireh. He still can provide all of our needs. But you you know, we're in an age where Moses was at, and God rebuked him. For crying. If you got enough faith appropriated in the Word of God, go ahead and speak to that sea. If you got enough faith appropriated in the Word of God, speak to that mountain. Don't sit around waiting on God to move the mountain. He said, You say to this mountain. Come on, church. There's too many message churches haven't moved into the third pool yet. The third pool is the spoken word. You say to this mountain. They was looking at a fig tree. He pointed at something way bigger than a fig tree. And he said, I spoke to the fig tree, but you can speak to this mountain. And Brother Branham said, it was not figuratively. It was the Mount of Olives. He said, you have the faith of the grain of a mustard seed. And you say to this mountain, it will be removed and cast into the sea at your word. Huh? What could have the disciples done On the stormy sea of Galilee If they had spoke peace be still Because after Jesus said Peace be still After they woke him up Because the storm didn't obviously wake him up They woke him up Because they didn't hear what he said When they got into the boat He said let us go to the other side They thought the storm was going to drown them But the word had said Let us go to the other side Some of you still ain't got it. He said, let us go to the other side. Not let us go get drowned by a storm, but let us go to the other side. Is that not what he said? Yes, it is exactly what he said. Let us go to the other side. Well, that didn't register with them. They begin to look at the wind and the waves and and, and the crashing of of the waves against the boat and the roaring, you know, trying to row and trying to fight the waves and the wind. And and uh, Carest thou not that we perish? And he woke up and maybe yawned and stretched, I don't know, make a drama out of it. And put his foot on the bow of the ship and said, peace be still. I don't know about you, but I don't believe there was a ripple. Nature heard the voice of its creator. Then he turns to his disciples and said, oh ye of little faith. So what could have happened if they had said, peace be still? But see, they was looking at the symptoms. They was looking at circumstances. That's what we end up doing. Instead of speaking to the core of the problem, which is Satan himself, we just give these diseases names. They're demons. Go listen to demonology, spiritual and physical, and you, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Brother Ram said we give them names. We give them high blood pressure and heart trouble and heart disease and, and cancer and this, that, and the other. He said, excuse me, he said they're nothing but devils. They're spirits out of hell that get in people's bodies. And if we would speak directly to the to the core of the problem, quit worrying about the symptoms. Because God don't deal with symptoms. Because you deal with symptoms and get rid of the symptoms, the core of the problem still there. You can cover the, the holes in the walls that the mouse makes, but if you, if you, if you just cover the holes of, that the mouse makes, you ain't killed the problem. you got to kill the mouse. And that's what the Word does. It goes to the core of the problem. It don't deal with symptoms. It goes to the core of the problem. See, that's what doctors all do. They deal with the symptoms because they don't know the core of the problem. They're still practicing medicine. But see, Jesus, the great physician, goes to the core of the problem. That's why a prophet of God in this generation, when someone come up to him and he would discern them, then he would go back in their life and tell them why they have what they have. He went to the core of the problem. He told one woman the reason she was so nervous and she had anxiety and all these problems is because when she was younger, a big yellow dog had chased her down the road. He said, that's the reason you are the way that you are now. He went to the core, the root of the problem. That's why John the Baptist said, lay the ax to the root of the tree. Because if you just cut it down, it's going to grow again. So God don't deal with symptoms like we do. See, when we have a cough and a flu and the runny nose, we go get something that deals with the symptoms. Because the label says that. If you have these symptoms... Go home and read it. If you have these symptoms, then take this because it deals with only symptoms because they still don't know how to deal with the common cold. And so all we do is deal with the symptoms. We'll take a little Mucinex or Tylenol or you know, NyQuil or whatever, and you know, that's, uh, that's believers' alcohol. <laughs> I, re- I remember, I'm old enough to remember when NyQuil was 25% alcohol. Wow. And my dad had trouble sleeping. My dad was a very light sleeper. He would wake when a, 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 a flea would burp. Anything would wake him up. You couldn't walk. Or you, you know, if I came in late after curfew, you ain't tiptoeing across the floor. He's in the kitchen waiting on you. Because he heard the car pull up. I used to turn oh telling myself all the time. I used to turn my car off at the top of the hill of the driveway and coast. I would put it in neutral and turn the lights off and I would coast down the hill to my parking spot. Close the door, snap it. This is a true story my hand to God. Walk in, I got a key to the door, to the door. I open the door just as quiet as I can. Lock the door back, turned around, and there he stands. <laughs> and, and and he and he asked a rhetorical question. What time is it, boy? <laughs> like as if he don't have a watch. <laughs> what time is it, boy? I'm going to tell you right now, it's past my curfew. I know that. That's why you're standing there. You you just couldn't get past him. Jesus is asleep in the boat because he said, let us go to the other side. So the disciples looking at all the symptoms. I didn't get to my dad's story. He was a light sleeper. So I, I, I remember seeing my dad would take a bottle of NyQuil. My dad, my dad never went to the liquor store, never drank. You know, after he got saved, all that quit. When they lived in Arizona, when my sisters were little, he got saved. I remember my mom telling me she, my dad came home from work and she said uh, she had been to a revival that a friend of hers had taken, mm-hmm. taken her to, and it happened to be a certain kind of church, and she said, But uh, I have something I need to tell you. She, he said, oh, he said well, okay, what is it? He worked on the railroad, and he was gone for several days at a time. So he comes in, and she says, but I got something to tell you. He said, what is it? He, she said, I went to church, and I got saved. He said, is that right? Neither one of them was saved at the time. So he said, uh, what church did you go to and get saved at? And she said, Pentecostal church. He said, oh no, anything but Pentecost. (laughs) So I'd watch my dad take a NyQuil bottle, 25% alcohol. wouldn't, Wouldn't take a drink of liquor. Wouldn't take a drink of whiskey. Wouldn't go to the doctor get something to help him sleep. And he wouldn't measure it, you know, in the cup. He was his own measurer. Just turned it up Whenever he felt, you know, like that was enough, then he quit. I didn't know what was going. I didn't know what he was doing. It's message believers alcohol. (laughs) They'll take stuff over the counter and they'll abuse it. And then they'll throw people that has problems with medicine under the bus. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. People take Benadryl. You know that's the babysitter.
2: <laughs>
5: if you're babysitting more than two, or two or more, or one or more, or one, come here. Daddy's got something for you. <laughs> Mom ain't got out of the driveway yet. Well, Daddy's got something for you. <laughs> 30 minutes later, they are in a coma. And y'all know I'm telling you the truth. People will absolutely use over-the-counter because they they think it's okay because it's over-the-counter. And then when somebody gets hooked on prescription drugs because of a doctor, don't deal with them right, don't prescribe it right, and he don't uh, fix the problem, he just medicates them to death. And they end up getting hooked on it because it's easy to do. Everybody's subject to it. And then believers will throw them under the bus. Well, what are you taking to sleep? It ain't no difference. If you're abusing it, if you're using it the wrong way, it ain't no difference. Praise the Lord. Bible tells us it's okay to drink wine, but not in excess. You know, it's amazing to me that people cannot rightly divide the word of truth. That Jesus' first miracle was water to wine. And Paul said, told Timothy, he said, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. So don't tell me it's wrong to drink a little wine. I got Bible against you. But don't get drunk on it. See, people don't want to, want to hear that because they're so legal. No. I had a brother come to me years ago, and he was having some stomach issues, serious stomach issues. And the doctor prescribed him just a small two, three ounces of red wine each night before he went to bed. Not enough to knock you out, but something for his intestinal tract and colon all that. So he came to me, and he said, well, what should I do? I said, drink it. If he'd have gave you some kind of a other kind of drug, you'd have took it. But all of a sudden, when he prescribed you wine, all of a sudden, ooh! You know what kind of narcotics they give people for pain? It's. I'm going to tell you, friend. I've studied these things, and I know what I'm talking about. I've had enough surgeries to know that some of these things are street drugs. I can name a certain name of a painkiller that is street heroin that is prescribed legally. It is the same thing as street heroin. And it's called Oxycontin. It is no different than people shooting up out there that the doctors are prescribing legally. That's why we have an opioid crisis in this nation. And because our president won't do nothing about the southern border, now we've got a fentanyl crisis. It's killing our kids. Well, I ain't getting off in politics. I got something else to say tonight. Some of you, somebody needed to hear that. God give us a good president the next time around. Now, I'm tired of this one. And if you voted for this cat, I'll pray for you. This guy don't even know what state he not, not just what state he's in, he don't know what state of mind he's in. He won't do nothing, won't go down there to the border, and all these border patrols are having these guys, these cartels. Now the cartels are bringing guns across. And our border agents are, are in peril every day of their life. And thousands and times thousands of people are coming across every day bringing fentanyl. Some of them putting, it in, putting this stuff in their body cavities to get it across the board i'm not being rude and crude i'm just telling you what they're doing to get it across and so far i've seen a, a a thing the other day uh forget how many hundreds of thousands of fentanyl pills that they had already confiscated how many have they not confiscated that is now getting on the streets and all these kids are dying from overdoses god have mercy <clears throat> The Bible says in Psalm 78, he caused an east wind to blow, uh, on, uh, blow upon them as dust. I want you to listen to some of these things. I'm going to back up just for a minute. I want you to listen closely. We read it, but I'm going to go verse by verse uh, just for, for a minute, and then we'll move on. In Psalm 78, uh, the Lord was, was angry with his people. He had smote the rock and rivers, streams, and uh, they, they overflowed. Come out of a dry, dusty rock. Now, if I was to take all of you out to a desert, and, and we, we, we would see how dry it really was. Me and Brother Wade was there a couple years ago, and he'll tell you how dry it is, and how dusty it is, and there's no water to be seen, no water to be found. But in the midst of that, God provided a way for them to drink. Not just them, but their animals, all their cattle, everything they had spoiled it from Egypt. Enough water for two million people plus all their animals and their flocks and their sheeps and their herds and everything to drink to their fill. This is what my God did and this is what my God can do. Amen. And then he rains down manna upon them and give them the corn of heaven. And man eat angels food and sent them meat to the full. They should have been content when you're full, you're full. You know when you're full, except when they offer you apple pie afterwards. <laughs> when you push away from the table and you, know, and, you know, loosen your belt up a notch, man, I'm full. Well, I got apple pie, or oh, believe it will. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't exactly full. You got room for the apple pie. The Bible says he, he, he gave them uh, of the corn and the manna and they, he sent them meat to the full. They, they were full. It wasn't they were still starving. And they still weren't happy. Then he caused an east wind to blow in heaven and by his power he brought in the south wind and rained flesh upon them as dust. The fowls, the quail that come into their camp was like Dust. The ground was covered with with quail where there were no quail. God created quail, created manna, created corn and and rained it down like dust. And it's everywhere. You you can't even walk without stepping on a quail. It's everywhere. Water's everywhere. Quail is everywhere. Manna is everywhere. And it's all done by Jehovah Jireh. The Lord our provider. And you think he can't fill your cupboard? You can't. Think, you don't think he can't fill your gas tank? Oh, yes he can. If you got faith enough to appropriate the word of God, he can do anything for you. God is anything. I want to know what's too hard for God. I want somebody to tell me what's too hard for God. Not a thing. There's nothing too hard for God. But we limit God by looking at the symptoms, by, by, by look, looking at what this thing produces in people's lives. Well, I just don't know if God can do any, anything with that. Look at what it's doing. No, listen, to me friend. Have you seen late the, the picture of Florence Nightingale? Weighed 30-something pounds, literally skin and bones. And then seen the after picture. My God's still God. My God is real. And what He did back in the 30's and 40s and '50s he can still do until 2023. Can I get a witness tonight? He's not lost any of his power. You imagine walking out of your tent that morning and seeing quail like dust all over the ground that God had provided. Would't you be happy about it? Would't you rejoice? Why, sure we would. But these knotheads weren't. They still weren't happy with all that God had done. Listen, friend. Brother Branham said God has shook every gift in front of us. He's done so many miracles. We've seen deep calls to deep. We've seen 20th century prophets. We hear the prayer lines. We know what God's done in this generation. He said it would be a sin for you, for you to, uh, to disbelieve now. After all that guy, he was talking about that mother shaking them toys in front of that little boy and he was just glassy-eyed, nothing would move him. He said, God has shook everything in front of our faces and would it would be a sin for you to disbelieve now? After all God's done in this generation, don't forget what God did under the ministry of Malachi 4. And I'm gonna tell you, God didn't die when Brother Branham did. And I'm not sitting here waiting on Brother Branham to get back. I'm looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because too many times, Brother Branham told him, You know know I'm waiting on something. I love watching Deep Call to the Deep when he just talks for 15 minutes after he preaches. He's getting the people lined up for a prayer line, they're just standing over there waiting. Because he's waiting, because he can't go ahead until he gets the go ahead then all of a sudden you see even the demeanor of his face change. And he takes a step back, puts his finger up, says he's here. Amen. And notice what he says. Go back and watch it. He's here. Now I take every spirit in this field and under my control for the glory of God. Amen. He didn't say he takes every spirit. He said now I take every spirit. It was God veiled in the flesh. God came down in a hillbilly Kentuckian body and took every spirit under his control. Little fish, I give you your life in the name of Jesus Christ. And a fish that didn't have no entrails, had no guts, resurrected and come to life and swam down into the lake. So I don't blame them people back then that thought he was the the second coming of Jesus Christ. If I'd have been in that boat and seen him do that, I might have bowed down at his feet. Oh, y'all, that's fine. Think what you want. But you watch a man with, uh, Brother Branham told that brother's brother that was with him, he said, now use a little bitty hook. Don't use a big hook. He was using too big a hook. He caught a little fish, and when when he get the hook out, he just tore all the guts out. It was nothing but the... The, the hull or the shell of a fish with nothing on the inside. No liver, no kidneys, no heart, no nothing. And he told him, he said, you're using too big of a hook. And here's this fish laying on the, floating, floating on the water, dead as a doornail for a half hour. And all of a sudden, a wind comes through that cove. And the prophet of God stands up, takes off his hat. Little fish. Whatever you say. If God is mindful of a fish to give it back its life, how much more mindful is he of you tonight? Why would God take his time to resurrect a fish if he ain't concerned about you tonight? Why does he feed the sparrows? Feed nature. They don't worry about tomorrow. God feeds them every day. God takes care of nature every day. And he tells us, don't you take no thought for tomorrow. Quit crossing bridges before you come to him. I brought you this far, I'll bring you all the way through. I'm still your provider. If he can rain quail down, it it, it ain't like the men were gonna help God out and grab their double barrel shotguns to go out and kill for the morning's hunt. It was laying at their feet when they woke up. What kind of life could we live if we had enough faith to appropriate the, the word of God in our life and just simply the song sung around the world that the angel of God loved to hear only believe all things are possible. What kind of life could we be living? I believe I'm talking to believers tonight. Simply believe what he said. We'll come to pass. But see, that, that, David said these words in the book of Psalms. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. I want my words to be his words. My thoughts to be his thoughts. That way I know they're acceptable. I want to come to the place where I'm in a situation and I have the authority and the power to speak the word and know that all of heaven backs me up. I ain't talking about what them knotheads out there are saying, name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. I ain't talking about that. Speaking money into your account, become a millionaire, speaking new cars into your driveway. I ain't talking about stuff like that. I'm talking about when you have a real need. And God knows your need. The true interpretation of Jehovah Jireh is not just the Lord provides, but the Lord sees what you need and then provides what you need. He is aware of your needs, He sees your needs, and then He provides what you have need of. We don't go without. I can look in this church and tell people I ain't going without. We ain't missing meals, our kids ain't missing meals. And if God can supply that kind of food in our diet to make too many believers obese, what else can he do? Because you got to understand, God's supplying your food too. That's why you bow your head and thank him for every meal that you eat. John Wesley did not take a drink of water, but what he vowed his head and thanked God for every drink of water he took. Probably God tells us that. Every drink of water John Wesley took, he thanked God for it. My mother, my mother heard that. Heard Brother Adam say that. And to this day with dementia, if you give her a glass of anything, she will not take a sip of it until she prays. Oh, but not us. We'll stop by the quick trip and the racetrack, the 7-Eleven, whatever else, and we'll grab us a Pepsi Mountain Dew and Dr. Pepper. Never even thank God for it. Pop the top, and down she goes. You, you better thank him because you're going to pay for that. You may not eat a lot of calories, but you're drinking them. People wonder why I weighed, at one time I weighed over 250 pounds and people wonder why I was so big because they seen me eat it. I didn't eat like a bird. I didn't eat much. They said, why? You know, wondering, even my kids. They, 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 they politically correct. They don't want to say, Daddy, why are you fat? Because I didn't eat many calories, but I drank them. And that's one of the worst things you can do is drink your calories. And so I wouldn't eat a lot of food. I just drank a lot of Dr. Peppers. And every one of them I should have thanked God for. Come on, church. If Wesley, not not knowing what we know, would thank God for every drink of water knowing it came from God. Listen, when we get in our car Let some things change in your life from tonight on, okay? Because he is Jehovah Jireh. The car you're fixing again, and after we leave service, he gave it to you. He gave you enough credit so you could get what you wanted. So when you crank it up, bow your head, say, God, take me safely to my destination. And when you get there, and you turn it off, bow your head and say, thank you. For taking me to my destination. Because you can say you're doing a lot of things. But if you don't say if God wills. You might not do what you think you're fixing to do. You better say I'm going home if God wills. You know how many people uh, uh, left somewhere this morning. And didn't make it to their destination. But you did this morning. You made it to church. You made it to a restaurant, you made it back. And how many times do we never thank God for his provision? So we're sending an angel to encamp round about us? Come on. That's why Brother Jimmy stood up here this morning and thanked God. That was a miracle. He knew that was God. He was in his car terrified. But God, Jehovah Jireh, showed up. And I'm telling you I could write a book At the things that I know that God done That man had nothing to do with I know God done it There's no other explanation for it It is the divine supernatural hand of God Because man had nothing to do with it I've seen his hand I've seen his provision Your numbers and God's numbers don't equal Huh? Huh? You, may, you know, when you're on a strict budget week to week, and you make sure that you pay your tithes first. Amen, Amen. First. Amen. It's the first fruits. Amen. Before you pay your light bill, your phone bill, your cell phone bill, your internet bill, your TV, bill, whatever bills you got, pay God first. Amen. Brother Ram said, in everything you do, do it to God first. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then I'll add all this to you. So you pay your tithes first. I've had people tell me, Brother Daniel, I can't afford to pay my tithes. I'm thinking, you lost your mind. You can't afford not to pay your tithes. It makes you a thief, a robber of God. That's his money. It belongs to him. So once you do that, then you see what you got left over. Let's say if, just for, if I had them, I don't have 10 potatoes this morning, but if I had 10 potatoes or this evening, and I put 10, 10 potatoes up here on this pulpit, I say,, okay, okay, this is my wages for the week, these 10 potatoes. Now the first one goes to God: One-tenth. I got nine left. What are you crying about? Uncle Sam takes more than 10 percent. The taxes you pay on things you buy. The gas you buy. Other taxes. Well, praise the Lord. God just requires ten. And you take that one potato and you got nine now to work with. Then all of a sudden you start adding, adding up the bills for the week. And looking at nine potatoes. You understand what I'm saying? That's money. And then when you come up with the end result of what you owe. And then you look at your potatoes and think, ain't no way I can pay all this. So what people do, what people do is the first thing they start doing when things don't add up in their mind, first thing they do is stop paying tithes. Some of you sitting here have done it before. And when you do that, friend, you owe 20%. That's the Bible. You pay a fifth more, which is 20%. I can show it to you in the scripture if you want to see it. But if you, if you, if you do pay your tithes and you take that you give it in the offering basket. And you got these and it, it don't add up. But you say, God, I paid you first. I've done what you told me to do. The rest is up to you. This number and this number don't equal. This number is bigger than this number. But if if you're in obedience to God's word, God is obligated to be your provider. And he will stretch those nine potatoes farther than you can. And come the next week, you'll find every bill paid, and you you can't explain it. With money left in the bank. I've been there. And can't explain it, the numbers don't match. Arithmetic ain't 100% right When you're matching it up against God. Because a widow woman gave a cake and a glass of water. One cake, one glass of water. And she stayed the rest of the drought. Being full. Your numbers and God's numbers don't match. To us, two and two equals four, but not to God. I'm going to show you in the scriptures. There was a time when we could turn to it, but I ain't got much time. When we get in here, time speeds up. So you understand now that Jehovah of the old is Jesus of the new. So let's look at Jesus for just a moment. Now, we could go to dozens of different miracles that he provided for people, but let's look at a couple, can we? There was a time Jesus was preaching to 4,000 men plus women and children. Now, now we always say 4,000 one time and 5,000 the next. Ah, uh, ah, uh, that ain't a true number. Because you read the Bible, it says 5,000 men, 4,000 men. There weren't just all men there. So you got to add in women and children. And the disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I say, These people are hungry. Can he furnish a table in the wilderness? He's already done it in the Old Testament. Now he's again in the wilderness in the form of Jesus. Can he do it again? He says, What have you got? Well, we've got five loaves and two fishes. A boy's lunch. Oh, some of you didn't hear me. You're half asleep. A boy's lunch. There's five thousand men plus women and children. A conservative number would be twelve to fifteen thousand people there. That's conservative. And he takes five loaves of bread. Your number don't match God's numbers. Two fish. And he prays. Thanks God for the food. And begins to distribute by his disciples. Break off a piece of fish. Whoosh, that piece grew back. Break off a piece of bread. Whoosh, that piece grew back. The first, the first fast food restaurant in history. <laughs> Can he furnish a table in the wilderness? With a boy's, what can he do with what little you got? Right, 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 oh, I don't have much to give. He just needs a boy's lunch. I know you got a boy's lunch to give him. Amen. And he distributes it to these thousands of people. And after they get done, they gather up the fragments. Twelve baskets. He started with a boy's lunch. God's numbers don't match yours. He can still furnish a table in your wilderness. If you feel like you're in a wilderness journey, you feel like you're in a wilderness barren land where there no water is, he could still cleave out of the rock a place for water to come out, gushing out. What have you got need of? Go to him. Tell him, hey, this is my need. I know you know about it. And I'm telling you, he's already been at work on it. God don't start working on it when you ask him. He's already been working on it. Because he knew from the foundation of the world you was going to face it. He knew from the foundation of the world you'd need a savior. That's why he died from the foundation of the world. He made provision before there was ever a sinner. Because he knew you'd need a savior. So he made provision for whatever you're going through right now before the world ever started. Because everything goes back to the cross. We talked about it this morning. He is the provider at the place called Jehovah Jireh. That's why the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world to provide for us everything we need in this earthly journey. Comes from the cross. Because that's where he gave his life. And that's what we was lacking, life. We was all dead in sin and trespasses. We was lacking life. I ain't talking about human life. I'm talking about God's life, eternal life, Zoe, God's very own life. That's what came forth at Calvary. It wasn't the life of a man. It was the life of God. It wasn't the literal blood. It was the life that was in that blood. Can you imagine being one of those 4,000 and another time it was 5,000? Two incidents. That's right. mm-hmm. Imagine yourself just for a minute. Use your Barney imagination for just a minute. And imagine you sitting on one of those, just the side of a green, green hill there. The rolling hills where, where he uh, spake parables and you know, told them stories and preached to them. Mm-hmm. And your belly begin to growl and you can't focus on what he's saying. And everybody's getting hungry. It's dinner time. And all of a sudden, you see the disciples bring him a, a brown paper bag. And there's 5,000 men plus women and children. All you see is people like ants on the hills. And they bring him a brown paper bag or whatever he kept his lunch in. And you're thinking in your mind, if, you, if we was there, what are he going to do with that? Is he going to eat that in front of us? It wasn't even enough for him. He's a grown man. This is a boy's lunch. They failed to remember what he had done. Because it was still God veiled in human flesh. What he had done. In the wilderness. To be the provider of his people. And rain down manna. And and, 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 and quail. As the dust of the earth. And now he. He's in another opportunity to furnish a table in the wilderness. And the Bible says that every person ate to their full. Go read it. They all ate. Nobody left with their, I, I didn't get enough. No, everybody's like, Whoa. You know how you do. <laughs> Eat too much at Thanksgiving and Christmas or whatever the occasion is. It might just be every day for some of you, I don't know. It don't have to be a special occasion. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner special occasion to some people. And I've heard them, I've heard them oh, many times I've heard I've said it. Boy, I ate too much. Boy, I'm full. You imagine all these thousands of people from a little boy's lunch saying, Man, I couldn't eat another bite. And the fragments alone. At one point was 12 baskets. At another point was seven baskets. Now you know there's a reason why one was 12 and one was seven. Well if you don't, I'm going to tell you why. Because there's 12 tribes of Israel that was his first wife. And there's seven church ages to a Gentile bride. So we still get to... Feast on what he's broken. They gathered up enough that we could still feast. It ain't going to run out. It ain't going to run dry. He told the woman at the well, if you drink from this water that I'm telling you about, you'll never thirst again. Let me tell you, church, I have studied other religions. Just because I was raised in in this message didn't mean I believed it. More, more young people in this message need to hear this. Just because I was raised in it from five years of age didn't, didn't mean I believed it. I had to search it out for myself. Mama's religion ain't going to get me there. Daddy's experience ain't going to get me there. The preacher, the deacon, the trustee, none of their experience is going to get me there. I had it to find out for myself. So I started in high school. I started studying other religions. And some of them are absolutely laughable, what people believe. Absolutely ridiculous. So I made my circle and came right back to this message. Because I couldn't find anything to compare it to. Not even close. Hello. Listen, parents, our young people have to have their own experience. They've got to meet God on the backside of the desert just like you did. I've seen uh, parents in, in, in the message. They think their salvation is going to cover their children and bring them in. It don't work that way. Everybody has to know God for themselves. God don't deal with us as he does Israel. He deals with Israel as a nation, but he deals with the Gentiles as individuals. And every individual has to come to that that understanding that they need God as a Savior and give their heart to Him. And when I come to that understanding, hey, this message is right. You ain't moving me from it. My anchor held and gripped a solid rock and I've been here ever since. It wasn't wasn't because mom told me it was right. It wasn't because daddy told me it was right. It wasn't because all the preachers told me it was right. I had to see it was right. And once I did, and I seen what God could do through a man, through a man that had a seventh grade education, I began to look deeper into this, and I began to see see how scriptural this ministry was. Everything Brother Branham brought us was straight out of the Bible. Because he said, I preach what Paul preached. And and if Brother Brandon would have brought us anything different than what the Bible says, his name would have been removed. And the plagues would have been added to him. He didn't bring us anything new. He brought us the understanding of what was already there. It was unveiled in this hour. He didn't have to write anything new. He didn't have to add to it. It was just unveiled in this generation. It is the revelation of the seven sealed. It is the revelation. It is Christ the mystery of God. Not Jesus. Not Jesus the mystery. Christ the mystery of God revealed. Because you do realize there's a difference between Jesus and Christ. Jesus is the man. Christ is the anointing. Is what made him God. So, if that same spirit, if that same spirit that raised up Christ from the grave dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal bodies by that spirit that dwelleth in you. So, whatever he could do. If that same spirit that was in him, which was deity, which was Zoe, God's very own life, dwells in you, what ability and power and authority do we have in us? Stop whining and crying. Stop having pity parties. That things aren't happening like you think they ought to happen. They're happening just like God ordained them to happen. To test your faith. Do you really believe what you say you believe? He's testing your faith. It's a trial of your faith. He's putting your faith on trial in a courtroom. Do you have the faith you say you have? He's going to test it. And your faith has to stand that trial. He's got to put you through hell on earth. He's got to allow hell to come in from every direction. To test and put your faith on trial to see if it will stand and you will stand and you cannot be shook my roots go deep let the wind blow let the storm come my roots are deep you ain't uprooting this tree honey it's been here too long i've been through too much hell i've been through too much junk i've been through too many trials you ain't moving this tree i am rock solid in this message Because every storm I've been through, it didn't uproot me. It deeper rooted me. God didn't send the storm to uproot you. Some were uprooted. And the same storm that some were uprooted by, you were deeper rooted. Oh, come on now. He send the storm to make your roots. That's what a tree does. When the storm is blowing it. Like the other night at our house, trees were going this way and this way, and lightning and thunder flashing everywhere. And the kids screaming and crying, Oh Daddy, Daddy, I said, sit down and shut up. It's just a storm. It will pass. It's not eternal. I'm a hunter. I've got plenty of flashlights. we got plenty of mama's candles around the house to light the whole neighborhood. We'll be okay. And smell good at the same time. When I was a kid, we had kerosene lamps on the tables. I mean, remember those? I've lit many of them. Power go out. Get the matches. Light the kerosene lamp. Generation X don't even know what kerosene is. <laughs> Brother Branham talked about burning a, not, a pine knot. Now, I don't know about that. That's a little before my time. Remember in life story, he talked about burning the pine knot. He said it'll burn. Don't get off. Mu- give off much light, but it'll burn. Smoke up, a g- but good bit. But it'll burn. I remember many a time. Ty- many a time. storm come through and knock out. We lived in a double-wide trailer for for many years and knocked the power out. You know, trailer's first ones to go. That's just a fact. That's the first ones to go, so power would go out. Here we go. We knew where the matches were. We knew where all the lanterns were. So we went throughout the house and let it back up and went doing what we was doing. Nobody's freaking out. Nobody's screaming and crying. Well, what are you screaming and crying for during your storm? The light's still here. He has not left you. He did not promise that the, that the journey was going to be easy. He didn't say you wouldn't have heartache. He didn't say you wouldn't have sorrow. He didn't say you wouldn't have pain. He didn't say there weren't, it wasn't going to be tears. But he did say, I'll be
4: with you. What else do you want?
5: This 52, almost 53-year-old man, my roots are deep, honey. 26 surgeries. My roots are deep. Four siblings in the ground. My roots are deep. now I've had my taste of hell. I've had my taste of grief. I've had my taste of pain and sorrow and weariness and suicidal thoughts. Y'all stay with me. I I ain't the only one. Elijah uh, asked God to kill him. I've had my juniper tree times. But I come through it better than I went into it. That's the purpose of the storm. Remember, some some of you will remember this. I preached a sermon years ago. Purpose has a pain, uh, uh, pain has a purpose. Your pain, has, do you know the pain in your body is try, trying to send you a message? Your body is made in a, in, in a way that where there's, if, if there's something wrong in your body, it sends a signal to your brain that you're in pain. It's, it's a messenger, pain is a messenger to tell you something ain't right in my body. That pain has a purpose. To send a message to your brain. But what we want to do is we want to go to the doctor and get painkillers to stop the message. Preachers are handing out spiritual painkillers to stop the message. And won't let the message get through. And, and, and therefore, people are, are sitting in message churches spiritually sick because they've gone numb by the painkiller. They can't feel the pain no more, so they think they're okay. And the whole time they're in pain, but they can't feel it. Because what the painkiller does is it blocks the nerve receptors from the pain signal to your brain. That's what painkillers are designed to do. It stops the message. The pain receptors that intercepts it. Stops it from getting to your brain. Therefore you think you're not in pain no more. But when that painkiller wears off. All of a sudden the pain starts sending a message again. Because the pain is relentless. And the painkiller is temporary. God designed your body for pain in your body to be there for a purpose, to tell you something's wrong. It needs to be fixed. I've hurt with my knees since 2015. Nine years I've suffered with my knees. Pain, sending pain signals all the way up my legs, up my back, into my brain, telling me something's not right. I didn't know I was, listen, I was 45 years old. Still a young man. Why are my knees killing me? I can't hardly walk. Trying to get out of bed in the morning is all I can do to swing my feet off the bed and get them to bend. And when I would get them to bend, they'd go. Oh, it would hurt walking upstairs, like to kill me. Trying to go hunting and walking up, climbing up a, a ladder stand, like to kill me, but it was my knees telling me something's wrong. So you know what I did? I went to the one that could fix it. And there comes a time to where, if you go to the right one that can fix it and knows what he's doing, it will not only eliminate the pain but will eliminate the problem. That's why I said this morning, you got to be at the right place to get the right help. Not just deal with the pain, but deal with what's causing the pain. And what was causing the pain was arthritis in my knees. It was bone on bone. I had no meniscus. I had nothing in either knee. It was all bone on bone. My shoulder was bone on bone at 46 years of age. I could raise my, 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 my wife and my kids hated for me to do it, but I just aggravated them. I'd raise my arm and it'd go. They'd say, would you stop it, please? You know, it's like rubbing your fingernails across a chalkboard. And my shoulder was gone. It was shot. And the doctor showed me an x-ray of my shoulder. And he said, you see all this white, cloudy, milky-looking stuff around your shoulder blade? I said, yes, sir. He said, that's arthritis. He said, it has completely destroyed your shoulder. We have no choice. He said, usually we wait till a patient is at least 55 before we'll do a shoulder replacement because they usually only last about 15 years. Then they got to get them replaced again. He said, but in your case, I've got no choice. It's got to be replaced. And the pain was telling me something's wrong. And when you go through pain in life, it has a purpose. God is trying to send you a message don't try to block the message. Don't shoot the messenger. Don't get mad at me for telling you the truth. Amen. The reason I tell my people the truth is because I love them and I want them to make it. Don't you realize that I hold your soul in my hand by the things I'm teaching you. I'm on the, I'm on the watchtower. I'm a watcher of your soul. I give an account to God for the things I teach here. And I don't want to have no blood on my hands. I've had many, I've had dozens of people leave me over 23 years because of truth. Simply telling them what the truth was. And them sit there and get mad as a wet hen. At truth. I've said it for many years, the truth does one of two things. Make you mad or make you free. And I've had too many that wouldn't get the help they needed. That was at the right place to get the right help they needed but they got mad instead just like Cain. He was wroth and his countenance fell and he walked away from God and went to the land of Nod. God gave him two opportunities and he turned it down. He said, will you not be accepted if you do the same thing your brother does? And he got angry. Oh, I've had them I could have called their name, and I ain't even got a gift of discernment. When you, when you're up here seeing people's faces, and and sometimes God lets me know where it's, I, I, I can feel I can feel eyeballs like darts. And sometimes God lets me know who it is there shooting them darts. It's like last Sunday when I hit on a, uh what was her name? Yeah, somebody here wasn't liking it none. Well, uh, it, God didn't tell me, but the next step, if they, had a step uh, if they had kept doing it, the next step was he was going to tell me who it was. And, and I was so mad at that point, I would have called their name out. Because I couldn't, I couldn't even get the story out that was so mad at me. For calling out Whitney Houston, are you serious? You might as well go on out and live like Whitney Houston. I'm here to tell you the truth. Too many people think coming once a month on Sunday morning is going to make a rapture. I'm sorry to tell you, just because you sing a gospel song every now and then don't put you in the kingdom of God. It's got to be a life lived every day. God don't require you to walk on water. He just wants you to walk on land. People want to walk on water and can't walk right on land. Let's stand. I'm going to quit. My voice is leaving, and I got to preach a funeral Tuesday. God is good all and all the time. Give him a hand, praise. Come on.
4: Hallelujah.
5: Boy, this is one night. I'm really glad Brother Brian is here. I don't even know how how long I preach, but I feel like I've been up here for four hours. Lord have mercy, I'm whooped. You can tell I don't do cardio. (laughs) I personally don't believe in it. At, At rehab, they put me on a bike that goes nowhere. What's the point? Put you on a treadmill that goes nowhere. What's the point? If I'm going to walk four miles, I want to be somewhere. At least a Krispy Kreme or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that that little laugh would do you good, won't it? Works good like a medicine. Oh, gimme G.
4: Mmm, ain't God good? To give us so many blessings undeserving That's what we are where well, we ought to thank Him Love and praise Him A little more today A whole lot more tomorrow Well, ain't God good To give us so many blessings undeserving we are, we ought to thank him. Love and praise him a little more today. A whole lot more tomorrow. Well, ain't God good. Ain't he good? To give us so many blessings. Undeserved. That's what we are. We ought to thank him. Ain't God good to give us so many blessings undeserving. That's what we are. We ought to thank Him. Love and praise Him a little more today. A lot more tomorrow. Ain't
5: God good. Oh my, I've experienced Jehovah Jireh so many times in my life. I can remember as a boy, my dad worked construction. He was a trim carpenter. And many of you know that construct, construction work is seasonal. Many times it has to do with the weather and things of that nature. And and during the winter, my dad didn't have a whole lot of work. And and so we'd have to, I could tell when dad didn't have much work by by the food that was on the table. And, uh, but we never went without. And I, I don't know if, if any of you, how you was raised. I don't know many of, you, uh, of y'all's testimonies. But I can remember, remember my mother all of a sudden not being hungry at dinner time. Amen. To make sure us kids ate. Amen. I remember my mother... When we didn't have something for breakfast, she would concoct something out of rice and put a little sugar on it, make it taste good. Because I'm I'm a lover of cream of wheat in the morning. I just love cream of wheat. Uh, my kids hate it. Yeah, brother Wade loves it. I just I love it, coated in milk and sugar, with with toast with a whole lot of butter on it. And and. And the more you eat it, the, uh, the thicker your arteries get. But uh, uh, We didn't have any cream of wheat back then when Dad's work was slim. And Mom would make Mom's cream of wheat out of rice. She would make it to where it would taste good to us boys and we would have something to eat. But God always provided. We never went without. My dad, being the husband, the house man the protector, the provider. As I was going through some quotes last night of Brother Benham, most of them in the prayer line, the first one I come to, he's in a prayer line, and obviously the person that he's fixing to pray for is not saved. And so he says, if God would be gracious, I'm paraphrasing, I can get it for you, but he said, if God would heal you, would you accept him as your Provider. He didn't say healer, savior, deliverer. He said provider. The, f- first, the first time he mentions the word provider was in 1953, I believe. He said, If God would heal you tonight, would you accept him as your provider? Do you realize when you, you come into an invisible union with Christ as your spiritual husband, he now becomes your spiritual protector? your spiritual provider to take care of all your needs. My wife was able to stop work a year after we got married. She never went back to a full-time job after she had Austin. She would fill in every now and then at the insurance agency, but she never went back to a full-time job because she had confidence in me as her provider that she wouldn't go hungry and our baby wouldn't go hungry. She was dependent on me Because she had to stay home and take care of that baby. Because I didn't want nobody else raising my son. I'm just telling you me. If you have to do daycare and all that stuff, that's your business. I'm I'm talking about me. Because I wasn't raised in daycare. My mama raised me. My mama didn't have to work. I'm just telling you. This is my story. Let me tell my story. You can tell yours later. So she didn't have to work a full-time job. After Austin was born, she stayed home as a full-time mom. And the load and the responsibility, I was a 21-year-old wet-nosed punk married with, with a newborn baby, maybe 22 at the time when he was actually born. Still, it's a year older, I'm still a wet-nosed punk, 22, thought I knew everything. Now the responsibility, now every morning when the alarm clock goes off, I can't punch keep punching the snooze button till 10:30. Or pick it up and throw it out the window. Now I have responsibility. Now I have a wife. Now I have a child that's dependent on me to protect and to provide. And they're and if I don't protect and provide, who is? And if God has called us to this generation that is the most wicked vulgar, vile, evil, violent age there's ever been in the history of the world. He has called us to this age. He has not called us without proper protection and proper provision. Because when you took on his name, when you got born again filled with the Holy Ghost and you took on his name, you took him as your provider, having full confidence That whatever you needed, he was going to supply it. And to this day, my wife has never had to go back and support our family. God has always allowed me, me to be healthy enough to support our family. Because that's my responsibility. I'm the one that went to her daddy and said, can I have your daughter? I'm the one that went through the motions to marry her. I'm the one that pursued her. She didn't pursue me, she wasn't that forward. I ran from forward girls. Hello? Boys today don't. They think they're hot if they got a girl running after them. Yeah, you hot, all right, your feet's in hell. You got a girl running after you, you better run from her. Got too many forward ones in, in this generation. My wife did not pursue me. I pursued her. Just like you did not pursue God. God pursued you. And he took on the responsibility of you as his bride, as his children. I'll I'll watch over you. I'll take care of you. I'm not going to let you go hungry. I'm not going to let you go go naked. I'll, I'll clothe you. And I'll feed you. And I'll give you what you have need of. According to what I have in my bank account. According to my riches and glory, I'll take care of you. Have you ever tried to put a dollar amount on on what God is worth? There ain't enough zeros. And that's who we're married to. And you think he's worried about your little problem? He ain't. He's already got it taken care of. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm expecting a phone call in the morning that my situation is taken care of. When I look down at my phone or, or, or my wife, they got both our numbers so you never know who they're going to call. Or my wife looks down at the, at the phone and see who's calling. We will not be shocked because of what's been preached today. And my wife didn't know what I was going to preach today. I didn't tell her. But she, you, know, you know, women are more tend to worry more than the man. That's their nature. My wife's been worried about some things. I said, honey, God started this. He's going to finish it. He has never started a project he didn't finish. Never. And I said, ain't nothing I can do. Ain't nothing I can do. It's all in his hands. It's all in his time. And I'm not going to be a bit bit surprised when we look down on our phones and see that name on our phone in the morning. Saying everything's okay, continue on. I don't. Know, wherever you live, if you feel the earth shake. You say, "Yep, yeah, brother Daniel got that phone call." Well, praise the Lord. I thought you didn't believe in emotions. You get that phone call, you'll get emotional too. That's why brother Branham lit that turtle on fire. He wanted some emotion out of him. A little emotions okay, just don't be fanatical about it. Well, praise the Lord. It's been a good day in the Lord, hasn't it? Thank God for another Sunday. This weekend, I guess all of you know that this weekend is the big event that's been planned for months and months. That they made a phone call and to me and asked us to ask me as the pastor if we would host this. Uh, This singing, this big event, I wasn't even aware of it. The other two, I didn't even know know anything about it. But they called and asked me if we would uh, host it. And so I looked into it and said, we'll do everything we can. I felt honored that they would ask us Mm -hmm. to host it. So um, I had prayed about it and talked to the Lord and felt it was the right thing to do. As I said in the beginning, and I'll say it again this weekend in front of everybody, it's not entertainment. It's about true worship. And if it's anything more than that, I'll cancel the thing. Y'all know me well enough. If it's, all, if it's about entertainment and how long somebody can hold out a note and how vibrato, they can do their voice and turn blue in the face, I don't need all that. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I don't care if it is a noise. If it's worship, let them alone. But but most of you, if not all all of you know that this weekend is going to be that. Uh, Friday night is the banquet. Saturday night is the the night of worship at the, um, what's the name of that church? Victorious Life Church off 138. Um, It's behind 138 if you turn. Well, anyway, Google it. Because if I give you directions, you're going to get lost. Victorious Life Church. Um, they seat about 700 I went and viewed the building and it's a beautiful facility and it will hold everybody uh, that's going to be coming uh, they're expecting upwards and may- maybe over 500 people to-, to be here this weekend we've got 250 coming to the banquet that's just unmarried young people <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Please. And so we have no idea how many people is going to be coming in for the singing. And then Sunday morning service, we're going to have regular service here. Now, I want to make some things clear um, to all that's here, those that's streaming. And we'll send out a text as well to those that backslid tonight. That... Since this building only holds a little over 200 people, oh, right at 200, 225, something like that, that's with, with chairs and a few in the balcony. That's all we can get in here. And then we're going to put chairs down the, in the vestibule in both Sunday school rooms on either side. We've got monitors in there. Um, We've got 100 and something we can handle b- back in the fellowship hall. All together, if you add it all up together, it's right at 500 that we can handle. With all the, that's everything. That's that's knowing your neighbor really well. (laughs) That's, make sure you put on your deodorant when you come to church that morning, because you're gonna be really close to your friend. Um, But this is what I request of the local people here. This is my request as your pastor. You people come here every week. This is your church. This is your home. We're going to have hundreds of visitors. So we're going to let them have the sanctuary. I'm not asking your permission. I'm telling you this is how it's going to be. Now, if any elderly we have that shows up that are home people, they can come and be in the elderly. They can come into the sanctuary. They don't have to go to the fellowship hall. And don't tell tell me you're in your 60s and you're elderly. Because I'm 52. I, I'm, you know, almost 53 in a few days. So I, I'm not far from 60. I'm not elderly. So you ain't either. So uh, the only reason I get to stay in here is because I'm the pastor. Otherwise, I'd be out there with y'all. So we're going to let all the visitors have the sanctuary, the vestibule, and the two rooms. And home folks can be in the in the fellowship hall. Now, I know you ain't going to like having to watch TV for church, um, but that's all we can do to house that many people. That's all we could do. Um, I couldn't magically sprinkle fairy dust on this church and make it bigger. This is all we've got. So they're planning, they're expecting uh, uh, upwards to 500, possibly over 500 on Sunday morning. Um, I'm not worried about Saturday night because that church can hold 700, so I'm not worried about that. Um, But Sunday mornings got me a little bit nervous about seating uh, all the people, and so here's the deal: Um, the choir, the message believers choir, the virtual choir, they will be practicing here at the church Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday evening, and then Friday we'll have the banquet, and it's at that place. What's that place called? Was my wife the towers? The towers. It's. uh, It's five minutes from my house, it's just outside of Monroe. That's where the banquet's gonna be. And then, uh, I'm saying all this to say this. I said all that to say this. We need all hands on deck. We need everybody that can help to help. Not an amen in the building. (laughs) Have y'all sit so long under me? Bottom, bottom line is, it's going to get done. Amen. It always does. Okay? People always step up to the plate, and it always gets done. Okay? If you don't want to be a part of it, that's your prerogative. But we're asking for volunteers. Don't make me do it the military way. Brother Jimmy knows about the military way. My dad knew about the military way. I need four mil- I need four volunteers. I need you, 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 and you that's how they volunteered you so all hands on deck we need everybody that can help if you've got a little extra time in the evening or whatever uh, get in touch with brother cammy sister sharon rose or brother brian or somebody Say, is there anything i can do to help um to get these things together get everything ready if you haven't signed up to help please do so um as i said the sanctuary and the church the church itself will be for visitors and then um uh, home folks will be in the fellowship hall uh, for streaming bright and But the brides put a lot of time effort, energy sweat, probably tears and blood too into um, hooking up the monitors. I hate calling them TVs, but put, hooking up the monitors out in the fellowship hall and in the um, Sunday school room so the pe- people can at least view what's going on. And um, I know some of you are wondering who's going to be the speaker on Sunday morning. Come Sunday morning and you'll find out. Amen. <laughs> I'll just I'll go ahead and tell you this: Jesus will be speaking. That's all we need to know. Jesus will be speaking. No service Wednesday night. No service Wednesday night. We've canceled that so they can have their practice. But do remember the funeral on Tuesday, if you would. Remember me. As I have to conduct the funeral, they want me to take care of everything. So uh, this is nothing new to me, but, but every one of them is tough. Uh, and, I, and they're all different. So gee, whisper a prayer for me if you would. Continue to hold up Sister Brenda Sister Sean. All the family, the siblings, just hold them up before the Lord in prayer. And I, I, I know God is a comforter. Amen. The only reason my family come through what they did is because Jesus is the comforter. When my mother could get no help, when my mother could get no relief from her grief, Jesus come on the scene. And I seen my mother just lay down and go to sleep after grieving so hard. And I seen the comforter come on the scene and just lay her down and relax her. I know he's real. I watched him. And my heart goes out to Sister Brenda so, so hard because i seen what my mother went through. So just hold them up before the Lord in prayer. Give me G as I'll turn it over to Brother Brian.
4: I'm on my way
5: to Canaan's
4: land. I'm on my way Canaan's land. I'm on my way Canaan's land. I'm on, my way Canaan's land. I'm on my way, praise God. I'm on my way. I'm on my way
1: Panem's way I'm on my way
0: Blessed us with his presence. So wonderful to be able to be in the house of the Lord. Um, a couple of things, um, not to step on pastor's toes, but uh, I don't know if it's raining. If it's not raining, if we could get a little bit of help moving some tables and chairs, we need two tables in here and then 50 chairs. And then the rest will have to move after the choir is done rehearsing this week. That has to wait till Saturday. And then the two Sunday school rooms, we need to completely empty into Sister LaDonna's little room, the old book room, try to stack as much stuff in there as we can. So if we could get some able-bodied brothers to help us with that right after the service, Uh, if it's raining, we can at least do the Sunday school rooms if they don't mind, we'd appreciate it. And if you have any personal effects in here, your Bible, um, shawls, pillows, whatever, go ahead and take those with you. If you see somebody else's stuff that's not here, If you can take it to the back, we'll lock it up in the deacon's office back there um, until after this weekend. Amen. God is good all the time, isn't He? Amen. We'll sing this, and we'll we'll be dismissed. Certainly looking forward to this coming up weekend. Amen. Key of D. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
1: Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord.